0: You are now listening to The Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you
1: actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas.
0: What's going on, Unstucked fam? If you're loving the podcast, be sure to visit unstuck.com for more resources, ways to work one-on-one with me and my company, Unstucked, as well as our free Unstucked guide to help you get unstuck in your career, life, finances, and business. Some exciting news, we have launched our budgeting course where I will sit down with you and walk you through our custom budget. The link will be below. More exciting news, we have gotten a feature spot in Medium. The name of the article is Here Are Three Signs It Is Time to Fire Your Boss. You can find the link below. I hope you read it. I hope you enjoy it. And most importantly, I hope you learn something from it. I'm so happy you're here for the ride. And now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I'm joined by Rachel Cook. Rachel Cook is an award-winning business strategist who believes that running a business shouldn't be complicated. With her 16 years of entrepreneurial journey and her company, The CEO Collective, she helps thousands of clients across a huge range of industries create stable, sustainable success for themselves. Rachel is also the host of Promote Yourself CEO podcast and the author of the Amazon bestselling books, Fired Up and Focused and Your Business Sweet Spot. Hey, Rachel, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. I was just giving Rachel some accolades here, came across her TikTok account and man, do you know how to captivate an audience. I mean, from just your presence to just the well-created background, but really the points you were making were spot on. There was little to no BS. Like I can tell you're in this space of business strategy and you've helped a lot of people and it came through very strongly. So just wanted to give you some accolades there.
1: Thank you so much. I'm like blushing over here. <laughs> like I told you before we hit record, it's it's an experiment for me. And it's a big change because really I'm a podcaster. so to be on TikTok where you have to be on video and you only have a few minutes. It was a pretty big shift for me.
0: Well, you're crushing it and take it from a TikToker and from myself, you are doing very, very well. So what's your story? How did you become a business strategist for women CEOs? And we'll get into your book as well because it has some fascinating stuff in there, but we'll start with your story.
1: Yeah. My story is like many entrepreneurs, who grew up with entrepreneurial parents, which is I rebelled against my parents. I thought I didn't want to go into business and instead went to school for French horn performance. I actually have a degree in classical French horn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing.
1: In addition to a degree in entrepreneurship and small business management. And what happened was I accidentally started a couple of businesses in college. And that was when I realized I didn't want to be a professional classical musician. The French horn is a very niche instrument, and there's probably less than a hundred professional gigs in the country. And once people get them, they stay there for life. Not a whole lot of opportunity. It's also not like a solo instrument, right? So I accidentally started some businesses. What happened was when I was in college as a music performance major, everyone their junior and senior year gives a senior and junior recital, which is a solo concert. You fill the concert hall with like 100, 200 people. Your family and friends come in. It is a big, big deal. At the end, because people have traveled all this way to see you perform, you always have a reception. Well, I come from a really big family, and for me, I was like, oh, my friends need a reception. I can cater that, because that's just Christmas Eve. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. not a big deal. yeah. And so I started that little gig. And then I switched to the School of Business once I kind of realized that music wasn't going to be my path. When I got into the Entrepreneurship Small Business Program, I realized I could tutor student athletes. Any big school that has a huge athletic department, they pay tutors to come tutor their student athletes. I discovered that they had a shortage of tutors for econ, for accounting, for finance, and those were easy for me. So they started paying me as a tutor for $15 per person per hour. But I saw how many people they had. And I said, but does it matter if I tutor multiple people at a time? No, not at all. So suddenly I had like every business major, <laughs> I would have like study groups with like the entire swim team, the entire tennis team, the entire baseball team, because they're all business majors, right? And they have to pass those finance and econ and accounting class. So I was the only tutor making $150, one hundred dollars an hour and I was making a lot of money as a tutor, all by accident. So I was like, well, maybe I could be an entrepreneur myself and not just do things for other people. So fast forward, I've got my MBA. Most people come out of your MBA and are recruited into consulting, into finance. So I went into more corporate consulting. I burned out of that after a few years because consulting is a grind. It's 80 hours a week. It's living out of your suitcase you're always on the road. And I ended up burned out on a yoga mat, crying to my yoga teacher going, I can't go back to this. I think it's going to kill me. And my yoga teacher said, well, Rach, do you think you could help me with my yoga studio? I'm really struggling. It's only been open for a year. And because here I am, I've got so much background in business strategy. I was like, yeah, no problem. What does your p look like? What's your break-even per class? How many students do you see? What's your churn for your membership? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But- It was a big light bulb moment for me. When this all happened, it was 2007, 2008. I realized that at the time, there were a lot of small owner-operated businesses that didn't know where to go to get support from somebody. There really was nothing for them. There was like the local chamber of commerce, but really it wasn't helping them with the practical hands-on skills that they needed to market their business, to sell their business, to understand the numbers to grow their business. So that's kind of how it all started. It's all been kind of serendipitous, just me exploring different things and paying attention to what people are asking from me and just continuing to kind of lean in based on the conversations I'm having.
0: Wow, well, it's actually amazing. This is for the listeners, right? This is me and Rachel's actually first time meeting. And just based off your first part, like we have so much in common and it's it always blows my mind when that happens. That's why I always start now with like, what's your story? Because like off the bat, like I was a D one athlete, and I actually had a tutor that I was wildly grateful for. Because I was an econ finance double major, uh, and being someone in high school who struggled with math, that was an awful choice. So, one, I want to thank you for doing that because I know that you probably helped a ton of people. But taking it back, I've interviewed upwards of you know a hundred plus people so far. You're the first to play the classic French horn, which I think is awesome. But as you were talking, like I wanted to ask you, like obviously that was a hell of an experience, but like have you found things that translate from that experience to your business now?
1: Absolutely. So, I've actually found in the past 15 years of working with women entrepreneurs, the women who come from a performance background, whether it is music or dance, And athletes have this unfair advantage. And the unfair advantage is we know what it's like to put in the practice and not half-ass the practice. We're willing to sit down and do the same thing over and over and over and over again until we get it right. And I think that's something you learn as a musician. I mean, I've played the piano since I was four. I started playing the French horn when I was like 10. And when you have two... Three or four hour practice sessions a day, and you're playing the same like four bars of music, which is not very much, just over and over and over again until you get it exactly right. You learn that so much good comes out of practice. I think this is why the TikTok has been easy for me, is because I've put in the practice on the microphone. I've had a podcast since 2015. And when you speak a lot, and you practice it a lot, then filming a video is not that big of a deal once you get you know, out of your head about it. You're like, oh, I am just sitting down. It's the same thing. It's just shorter responses,
0: Absolutely. And that's so true. And I, you know, I started my TikTok and my business about seven months ago. And so, you know, I've always been someone that has enjoyed speaking. Podcasting was new for me, but immediately I noticed those skills improve across the board, just the ability to, to speak from your heart and be vulnerable, ask tough questions, answer tough questions. So absolutely those things translate. Something as you were kind of telling your story that I thought was really interesting and I wanted to kind of focus on a little bit was, owner operated businesses. Cause that's something that I see, you know, a lot of my clients fall in that bucket. But on top of that, that's something I see all the time. Like on TikTok when I interact with people, like it's owner operated businesses, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no marketing. Like, what do I start? Like, how do you help folks like that? And like, can you kind of walk us through an example? Like what is something like that, a session like that? What did that look like? And how does that help you become Rachel Cook today by helping kind of owner operated business starting off?
1: Yeah. It's so interesting because I find most of the women entrepreneurs that I work with, they started their business because they have a passion for what they do, right? They wanted to be a photographer. They wanted to be a designer. They wanted to be a physical therapist or whatever it was. And they never thought about all the other part of being a business owner. And truly, it's only about 20% of what you're passionate about, of you being the expert at that thing. The other 80% is running a business, And I think when they realize that, everything starts to shift. Because then they're like, oh, I'm not just going to be successful because I am the best at what I do, this thing that I offer. I'm going to be successful because I understand that I need to now learn marketing. I need to now learn sales. I need to now learn how to make sure I'm taking care of all my clients. I need to understand the finances. So a big part of what happens when women come to me is I say they've been accidentally successful. Like they've gotten to a point on their own and they get to this point on their own by word of mouth, by referrals, by being great at what they do because no doubt they are great at what they do. The women I work with are incredible. They're so smart. They have so much experience to bring to the table, but they're trying to do it all themselves. And so one of the first things we have to understand is if you're the owner-operated business and you have zero support, you don't really have a business, you've just got a job. Because the minute that you can't get paid, if you can't show up for that hour with your client or you know you can't finish the work, the business shuts down. So really what you've done is created a job for yourself. So as an owner-operated business, we need to shift away from this mindset of, I've got to do it all myself, to I've got to build something that's sustainable, that can work without me working, because that's how I will get the freedom I'm looking for.
0: Absolutely. And you couldn't be more right. And you know, I'm totally empathetic to that because I totally fall in that bucket with my business right now. Like I have created another job for myself. And I know a lot of folks listening are going to relate to that when you start off with something that you cultivate you know I sold a startup a couple of years ago you know I was in that space but still felt myself wanting something of my own and so like business and life coaching and marketing strategy is kind of where I fell into similar with you like being a consultant for many years and it's just very natural but I find myself now in that position actually today actually you know um if I don't show up right then money's not made and so I'm actually slowly starting to build out a staff and build out that part and making an actual business, but it's scary. It's you want to hire the right people. You want to try to automate and remove yourself from the right processes while still being authentic. Like, is there a sweet spot? Like if I'm just starting off, like where do you usually point your clients to start off with?
1: I'm going to say context is important here because not everybody has the access to the same resources or whatever. I can share from my own experience. I bootstrapped my business from the ground up. And when I left corporate consulting, I left behind a six-figure paycheck. My mm-hmm. husband was a seventh grade public school teacher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So we huh? literally
1: downsized everything to live off of a teaching salary so that I would have the ability to grow my business without having the pressure of my business paying me for the first couple of years. So for the first couple of years, I'm saying, we lived in the smallest apartment. I sold a car. We had one car between the two of us. We knew that we needed to take the pressure off the business for the first couple years so that I could hire an assistant, so that I could hire people off of Upwork or whatever to help me do things that I didn't know how to do. And I think that's one thing you you may want to consider when you're first getting started. I think a lot of people make the assumption that they should be able to pay themselves like right out the gate. And maybe you can. Like if you have funding where, you know, you have resources to go out and hire people. If you're bootstrapping, it's a little bit harder, right? And so I, I think those things are important. The other thing that happened to me is I got pregnant with twins six months after starting my business.
0: Wow. What a blessing, but also, oh my God. <laughs>
1: but That's, like not yeah. planned. It was <laughs> yeah. totally like, I'm looking at this ultrasound and my husband has this big ass goofy grin on his face, like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh my God.
0: Like, totally it's like two out. different reactions.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. All I can think about is how expensive this is going to be. Maybe I should go back to my six figure salary, but it really just made me put even more focus into what I was doing. And what I realized is I need to start hiring support and think about hiring support differently. I knew I needed two key people in my life at that point. I needed a babysitter. <laughs> and when that babysitter was there, I better not be screwing around. I better be focused on the things that are going to generate revenue for my business. So that meant if the babysitter was there, that was my marketing time. If the babysitter was there, I better be having sales calls. If the babysitter was there, I was not posting on Facebook, which was the only social media around at the time. I knew that if I was going to buy back my time by having a babysitter, I needed to make sure if I was paying her $20 an hour, I'm over here making 200 That's the only way that works. And I had the same mindset with hiring an assistant. It was like, okay, if the assistant is going to take off my plate, my emails and booking, like she would book up sales calls for me and things. This was before all the automated everything that we have now. Back then, you had to get somebody's phone number and call them and say, hey, would you like to set up your consult with Rachel? Let me get you scheduled. (laughs) But I took all of that off of my plate. And again, by paying her the $15 or $20 an hour in 2010, I better be making $200, $300, $400 an hour in order to make that math really work.
0: Absolutely. And I think this is a fabulous segue because it makes so much sense now. The name of your book, A Fired Up Focus in Your Business Sweet Spot, because everything you just encapsulated was exactly that. So in that book, you lay out 21 strategies to help you work less and live more. Are there some strategies in that book that are your favorite? And I want to hear some of the stories in terms of like, if there are, like, how did you come up with those? And do you have some examples? Because I thought that was a fabulous topic to choose to write a book on.
1: Well, here's how the book happened. Things happen by accident to me all the time because I tend to just lean into what I'm feeling or what I'm hearing from people. And I think what happens for a lot of us, especially for women, is we tend to have these amazing strengths that we don't realize our strengths. We have these talents that we don't realize our talents because it comes easily to us. So something that I've talked about for most of my career has been, I really only work 20 or 25 hours a week. I've committed to that when I had my kids. And if I'm working more than 20 hours a week, there must be something big going on because I pretty much have stuck to that for 14 years now. The way that I can do that is that time is focused. There is no wasting time or energy at all. Like if I'm sitting down, I've got some really key things that I'm working on. Well, one of the things that happened and how Fired Up and Focused came to happen was I sent out a survey to my audience, probably 2013, 2014, and I was like, hey, what is the biggest thing holding you back from seeing momentum in your business? And I got hundreds of replies back. I sorted through all the answers, and all of it came down to productivity. Like, I don't know how to manage my time. I feel so overwhelmed. I don't know what to start with. I don't know what to prioritize. So I created a challenge, a free challenge, the 28-day version of the challenge. And I was creating it only a few days before like people were listening to it. So that free challenge turned into something that really grew my business. I didn't expect that.
0: That's really <laughs> cool. Of, that's such a good idea, though. But that's so cool.
1: It grew way beyond my wildest imagination. And then I took all the transcripts from that challenge that I had, you know, it was it like a video challenge format? I took the transcripts and I edited them into a book. And then I recorded the book into a podcast series and in the audiobook version. So I don't actually write books, even though I have two books and I'm working on a third. They're all content that I've repurposed from something else.
0: That's such a smart idea. Like, you are a rock star. Like, that's such an outside-of-the-box idea. But even, like, lines up with how people like to consume content today.
1: Yeah, And so for me, the fired up and focused challenge, there were a couple things that are everybody's favorites. One technique that is everybody's favorite is the Pomodoro method, the Pomodoro technique. If you are someone who struggles to just stay focused and get things done, it is so simple. You use a timer, you set a timer, you shut down all the distractions and you just work on that task until you're all the way done. And the minute that challenge goes out, everybody tries it that day and they're like, oh my gosh, I got so much done, I cannot believe it. It works, it's so simple, but it works. And that's one that I absolutely love. Another one that I love is the idea of a model calendar. Again, this is part of how I work 20 to 25 hours a week, is each day has a very clear focus. And because I've structured my calendar this way, I have very clear boundaries about how I spend my time, but I'm making sure that I'm touching on the most important things in my business every single week. So Mondays are my CEO days. This is when I sit down and I'm doing my planning for the week. I do what I call my CEO date, where I'm checking in on our plan. I'm checking our metrics. I'm planning out, making sure the team is all on the same page. I meet with the team. And then that's when I do any of my big picture strategy work for my own business. Tuesday is a client-facing day. If I have one-on-one clients, which I always have a few in my back pocket because it's always fun for me, but I have them, they know that once they sign that agreement, they're going to work with me on a Tuesday. And not only are they going to work with me on a Tuesday, once they get one of their spots at 9 o'clock, 10.30, 12 o'clock, or 1.30, they're going to have their spot on Tuesday until their agreement is done. I run that day really, really clearly. And then Wednesday is a content creation day. Because again, I have a podcast. Now I have TikToks. I you know, edit all the emails and things. My team writes a lot of stuff for me now, but I still review a lot of stuff or I'm creating things for our paid clients. And then Thursday is a CEO collective day. And that's where I'm working exclusively in our group program. Fridays I have off.
0: Amazing. Yes, we all need that.
1: It's a great system for sure because it makes sure that I'm focused on the highest priority things in my business and then there's things that pop up like you know i'll do an interview outside of some of those things but it's just enough structure that i get my work done and then it gives me flexibility to do these types of things like doing interviews without it taking away from the core activities in my business
0: absolutely well i was gonna say thank you for spending your friday with me i'm very flattered and i think that that is so key what you just laid out especially someone like myself i have adhd so it's the overwhelming of starting the task and then it's the overwhelming of actually completing the task. And so absolutely everything that you laid out, I use the Pomodoro method. I I just actually wrote a couple articles for Medium using that method because I had to write three articles. So when someone's like, hey, write three articles, you're like, oh, okay. And you have to like outline and get started. And so that really helps me is having that timer, having that structure.
1: Yeah. Instead, it's just write for 25 minutes.
0: Yep. And I finished two articles. <laughs> which was amazing.
1: (laughs) Like when you stop thinking about, you know, all of the things that kind of put us in this swirl instead, just, I'm just going to do this for 25 minutes and see what happens. And usually you'll be amazed at how much faster you go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to like segue, obviously you are serving a very specific audience of women CEOs. And I really love that. I was actually, you know raised by single mom of welfare, who actually became a lawyer and became ultra successful, and as an author, and so I have a you know I definitely know why you're doing that too because there's so much value there. I want to just kind of peel the veil off a little bit, like what does your community look like? Like for example, like you mentioned the CEO collective group coaching, like what does something like that look like?
1: Yeah, the women I serve are so incredible. They're a diverse group of women, both in age, race, sexual orientation, geography. We've got women entrepreneurs from all around the world, which is so cool whenever I see somebody you know, in South Africa or New Zealand or anywhere joining us. It's really fun. So the CEO Collective is an annual membership group coaching program. And I shifted to this model a few years ago because... Again, I'm always looking for what are the patterns, what's going on with my clients. Previously, I had just a online course that I was primarily running. And I started to see the same themes come up, which was often it wasn't that they were running out of ideas for what to do (laughs) or that they didn't know what to do. It was that a lot of women were struggling to stay consistent with what they need to do. And ultimately, my goal is to help more women entrepreneurs and more women in general, create financial freedom and to create their own independence, because let's face it, no one's going to do it for us. And I believe when more women have more money, we can impact more change. So I discovered that what I had already put in place in my business was something that no one else was doing, which is what I call our 90-day CEO's operating system. One of the biggest reasons a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that whole feast or famine cycle, right? Where one minute you're like hustling, 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 doing all the marketing, all the sales to get the clients. Then you book out your clients. You're so excited. You're like, yay, best month ever. This is great, all the money. And then you've got to deliver to those clients. But if you are shifting gears and just delivering to those clients, what often happens is the marketing and the sales goes on the back burner. And so when those clients wrap up, you're back to, you know, zero again. Many of the women that I work with are also mostly like word-of-mouth businesses, referral-based businesses. They never really had to like do marketing before. So when they come to us, we help teach them how to put this 90-day operating system into their business, where we actually create a 90-day plan based on their annual goals. We break down their 90-day goals into the exact action steps they need to follow, and we give them a system to operate in their business. It makes sure that each and every week they're paying attention to their marketing and their sales. Each and every week they're checking in on the operations of their business. Every month they have a checklist to make sure that they're not ignoring or forgetting about a key part of their business. And so once they put this operating system in their business, suddenly instead of feeling like they're juggling a million balls and they don't know you know, what they should be focused on. They're really building the system that starts to run like clockwork for them. And when you have a system that's running like clockwork, it becomes more rinse and repeat. Your team can step in and take more off of your plate because they know what to do and what to expect. And then you have the foundation for a scalable business. You can't scale a business if you're in that juggling, not sure what to focus on mode. You can only scale a business when you have a system that can scale. So that's what we have been doing in the CEO collective. They come to work with us for at least a year. We have several people who have renewed with us several times. And not only do they learn how to implement that 90-day operating system, but we give them all the resources and playbooks for how to implement the specific strategies they're working on.
0: That sounds amazing and so dialed. And like you mentioned, you've been doing this for 15 years. Like it shows like that is amazing. And I am like taking notes vigorously (laughs) because, you know, I feel very similarly for black people. I think that, you know, that is something that I'm focusing on and working toward getting toward is to the same point you made, right? When we're empowered, when we have more money, we're able to actually affect change. And so I commend you so much for not only like following your purpose, but like doing such amazing work and helping people because I know people are getting so much value from you. And I selfishly am sitting here like, "Um, when are you going to accept male clients? Because I'll be waiting at the door.
1: (laughs) I'll send you one of our CEO planners so that you can learn the 90-day system. It's so funny because I joke all the time. I teach women how to build boring businesses. That's really what I do. If your business has you wanting to tear your hair out, if you're constantly feeling like you're putting out fires, that's exhausting. No one wants that. But I love having a boring business. A boring business is the best. Because I can show up, do what I need to do, and get out, right? Like, I have the pool waiting for me this weekend, and I don't have to think about it. I can go on vacation with my kids, and I'm not stressed about anything. I recently have gone through the scenario where I've had to take over my, my mother's care. My mother's fully disabled and has full-time nursing care. And because my business runs like clockwork, I took three months off to go take care of her while I had to go find a whole new nursing staff, to, because she has at-home nursing care. And all I had to do was check in with the team a couple times a week. And they had it on lock, like no stress. And they were like, hey, Rach, no worries, we've got it. They knew what to repurpose. If I didn't have podcasts recorded, they pulled from the archives. They took over all of my client-facing things. like My team- is supporting me. And I think that's one thing when you're growing a business, again, it comes back to that owner-operated business, creating a job for yourself. If you can't show up, what happens? I've built a business with the intention that if my kids need me, if my family needs me, if I just need a break, I've got the system in place so that it can fully support me. And I think that is freedom because there's a lot of women out there who are the caregivers for their families. If something happened to their kids, they'd be expected to take off. If they had an elderly parent who suddenly had a crisis, they'd be the ones expected to go take care of it. And if your business can't allow you to do that, then you're going to find yourself in an even more difficult situation.
0: Absolutely, and my condolences as well, because I know that that can be incredibly difficult you really make a good point here, which is it's so much bigger than business. To the average person, it's really hard to convey that because people stop at the capitalism door or they stop right at money's evil, right? And then to your point, like you're building so much more than businesses. You're building freedom and you're allowing people to take care of the things that matter to them. And so many folks, and I know the folks listening, like that's our goal. Like that's folks' goals at the end of the day is to be able to kind of have that flexibility. And I think this is a wonderful segue into, you know, I've interviewed a lot of business coaches, a lot of business strategists who kind of have that similar focus on automation and trying to get and remove people from their business. What would you say kind of differentiates you from a normal quote-unquote business coach or business strategist? I know you're so much more than that. Just from that angle, like, like what are some of the things that you do that are unique?
1: Yeah, it always comes back to our core values as a business. So one of our core values, the first one we talk about to everybody is we believe in life before business. Not just me, too. That's the thing. You can't have core values for your company, and then they don't apply to your team or your clients. It has to be everyone. Everyone has to win from those core values. So I just shared a life before business of my own, which was needing to step up and take care of my mom. But there have been plenty of times where, especially the last couple years, things have happened for my team. Things have happened for my clients. Things you never expect. I mean, I have been through every imaginal scenario with the people involved in my business, I have been through a spouse passing away. I've been through supporting them through cancer. I've been through seeing somebody have a miscarriage for a very wanted child, like all sorts of things. And when something happens in someone's life, I want to know what's going on, right? So I can support them. Because if something's happening, I want to make sure we're supporting them just as much as they support me. So I think that's a huge thing. And I think that's one thing that our team really, that's why my team has been with me for years. I mean, I think it's unusual that my director of operations has worked with me since 2011. Most of my team has worked with me for over five years. Once they start working with me, they stick (laughs) because they know that we're going to take care of each other. And that's a big one. I think another one that kind of goes hand in hand is the idea of people over profits. I think this is something that is starting to become, like, people are saying this all the time, like, oh, I I focus on people over profits. But then you read things like their terms and conditions, and it's, well, if you join this program and it's not a fit for you, there's no way to get out of it, you're just gonna have to eat the cost. And I'm like, I don't think some of these things are fair. I think there's a lot of quote-unquote best practices in the industry that are honestly a little predatory to me, especially because for some people, maybe investing $10,000 into a program is no big deal. If it wasn't a fit for them, they can eat that cost. There's a lot of people who that is not the case. I would rather build policies in my business where, hey, if you had a blip and you need to push back a payment, cool, no problem. Let's work together. Let me get on a call with you and help you get some more cash flow coming in your business. We'll postpone your payment. Things like that, I feel like, are not the norm in the industry. I feel like the industry becomes almost like a cash grab when you look at the way people's policies are going. I feel like we need to approach these things as if, hey, the people paying you and joining your courses or joining your programs, they're not just, you know, lines in your Stripe account of money coming in. These are real people who have real life scenarios. And I've definitely been in the scenario where it's like deciding. Between, you know, am I going to pay the credit card this month or am I going to pay my, you know, group coaching program thing? I mean, I remember being in those early days, again, bootstrap entrepreneur, living off a teaching salary. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so I think we have to have some empathy for people and build that into our business. Build it into our policies and not just make it a, well, you paid me, so you kind of have to deal with whatever policy I've put in place without it being a real you know, people first policy.
0: Absolutely. And that was so wonderfully said and articulated. And like, if I'm a woman out there and I'm looking for business or strategy, I'm coming to your door right now. Uh, because to your point, like you don't hear that. And I won't name names, but like I said, I've interviewed a lot of folks in the same space and, and kind of seen those things. And what I'm hearing, right, is you treat people like people. And I actually just wrote an article, you know, it'll be released on Tuesday, three signs that it's time to fire your boss because I, I hate the word quit. I'm quitting my job. No, you're firing your boss. And one of the big points that I made about finding correct leadership or in our case, right, finding the right business coach is someone that not only sees you as a person, because we should see that as like a a box checked, but also someone that trusts you and trusts your vision. And so I hear that coming through as well. Like you trust your clients.
1: Yeah. I know that often it's hard to be a woman in business because we have our own imposter syndrome that is like so amplified I can't tell you how many times when I started my business, I had these men in the world who I would approach for support and they'd be like, oh, your cute little business. That's so precious. And here I am like, hello, I worked for a big consulting company. I have an MBA. Like, I'm not just some dumb little girl. Why are you treating me this way? Part of the reason why I love working with women because we got tired of being mansplained and talked down to by men who just treated us like, oh, this is some cute little thing. I'm like, Okay, now go watch me build a seven figure business while you sit there and just, oh, your sweet little business. I think it's important for women to have a space to come to where they know that they are going to be taken seriously and that I believe they can do what they're setting out to do because there are so many people who are going to be like the Debbie Downers who are going to doubt them and then make them feel bad for wanting more, especially if they're a mother who is not you know, doing the traditional motherhood path because I've been through it. So I want to be there for them too.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, one of my really good friends, Tori Dunlap of her first 100K, she went through the same thing, right? You know, like she literally, like I remember her calling me about this like multiple times and she was socializing different ideas and whatnot that she would kind of get that pushback. And I can empathize with you as well. I mean, like I mentioned, I sold a startup successfully and one of the owners of that startup, he spoke to people a lot like that. And, you know, people of color run into the same issues and I remember him calling me he was like, you know, uh, I'm building a new organization and we need someone that looks like you. That's what he called me about. You know what I mean? And and I, not the first time that like someone has done that where, you know, it's, we need to check a box. We need to strike a quote. I used to work for Nike and they are just as guilty as that um, of giving opportunity just to check a box, but not actually like caring about the person. So it makes me so happy that there are people out there like you that are like, you know, screw you. I'm going to go show you how much better I can do this, but also not let it bother me because I know my worth.
1: Well, and this is part of like actually integrating values and not just saying this is what we value, but fully integrating it through every part of how you run your business. I think that's something a lot of people miss. And then they try to, you know, kind of cover their ass and say, well, this is our value. We, we value this. And you're like, but that's not the action you just showed me. The action just told me that's not actually a value.
0: Mm, yeah, that's something we see all the time with just regular relationships. Like I always tell, like I always tell my little siblings and my also just my clients in general, like don't pay so much attention to people's words. Watch their actions, and that'll tell you everything you need to know. So, for my own selfish question, my own selfish need here, I always ask this question because it's on brand. I created the unstuck platform because on social media. Everyone just shows that end result. No one shows that kind of middle beginning. And you've done such a wonderful job of articulating that. So I wanted to ask you, like, when you're feeling stuck or you're feeling overwhelmed, like, what are some of the things you do to kind of get yourself unstuck and moving again in your purpose and moving again and aligning yourself with the goals that you have for yourself?
1: Yeah. When I get stuck, it's usually because I have stopped taking care of myself. It's been really hard for me to kind of reprogram my mindset around this because when I went through my burnout, I definitely was in the grind, 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 work, 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 everybody's needs are more important than mine. My company that I worked for's needs were more important than mine, my family, everybody's. And I started to realize like that whole pour from an empty cup thing is very true.
0: Absolutely.
1: Instead, I think of the visual of instead of pouring from an empty cup, fill my cup and give from the overflow. If I keep my cup full and I give from the overflow, I can stay inspired. I can stay in flow. I can stay healthy. I can have the energy and the bandwidth and the focus to do the work I'm here to do. But if I start pouring out that cup and it's not the overflow, we're in trouble. (laughs) So. So that's, I mean, and so it's so simple, but I keep a running list on my phone, on my notes app. My friend Tara Newman calls it your thrive list. It's the things that help me thrive, the things that help me show up as my best self. And some of it is really simple, right? Like some of it is I'm drinking water while we're talking right now. I get through three liters a day like clockwork. Some of it is making sure I'm sleeping enough. I have my aura ring. I wear it at night. It helps me see if I'm getting the quality sleep that I need. Some of it is talking to a therapist. I just had a therapy appointment this morning, and it was great because it was just a great time to work through whatever had been kind of bugging at me. So the Thrive list is so key for me, and whenever I find that I'm feeling a little worn down or, for me, a little snippy at my children, usually that's a sign that, Mom needs to go take a walk. (laughs) I need to go read a book, a fiction book, not a business book. And so, yeah, that little Thrive list on my phone is what I pull up all the time. And actually every month at the beginning of the month, like it's the first of July. So I have my list of things on my Thrive list. I'm going to go ahead and schedule those appointments. I'm going to go schedule my massages. I'm going to go schedule my chiropractic adjustment. I'm going to go schedule acupuncture. I'm going to reach out to a couple of friends to have dinner with me because that's part of my thrive list is having some girlfriends who I can go, you know, have a little night out with. I'm going to schedule time with each of my kids solo because when you have three kids, they hate not getting one-on-one time with you. So they each get a mom date throughout the month. And these little things on my thrive list, when I do them, I feel so aligned. I feel like I'm living my best life right now that I'm not putting it off for later. You know, I'm not just grinding it out hoping that one day I'll be successful. I'm being successful right now.
0: I absolutely love that that thrive list. Like I've taken two things away and that's one of the big ones. Like that thrive list, like we all think we have it in our head, but to like put it on paper and to adjust it real time is so important.
1: Put it in your notes app on your phone, and then text it to three to five people who you know want to support you. Mm, could be a that. partner, could be your mom, could be your assistant. Because my, you better believe my team knows when I'm getting run down, and they're like, "Okay, what's on your Thrive list that you can go do today?" And they'll like, <laughs> "Go tell me, Reach, you need to go like on a hike down by the river." And I'm like, "Okay, you have to enroll people in your life." to give yourself permission to take care of you.
0: Absolutely. And I always give this as a last question. I always give people the opportunity if there's anything that we haven't covered in the episode that you wanna to touch on, you know, we can go for it. If not, we can cut it here, but I just wanted to give you that opportunity.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. I am just so excited you reached out to me because like I told you, I was just kind of getting into the whole TikTok thing. So who knows if our paths would have crossed otherwise. But for anyone who's interested in learning more about me, obviously you can find me on TikTok at Rachel Cook MBA. You can also find my podcast, Promote Yourself to CEO, where we talk about how to scale service based businesses without the hustle and burnout. I absolutely love my podcast. It's where most people get to know me. So come check that out as well.
0: Awesome. Well, Rachel, you've been a wonderful guest. I appreciate you taking the time today. Have a wonderful long weekend.
1: You as well. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at unstucked.